Welcome to Commodity Conversations, the podcast brought to you by the team at Mercado, where we try and bring you the market information and also other interesting topics. This is our penultimate podcast for 2021, so next week will be the last, and it's fitting that we've got our very good friend, uh, Roberto Catalino from uh, Uruguay, coming back to talk about wool. We're passionate about wool in Australia, but I can tell you that for those who have met Roberto or heard him before, they'll know that he's very passionate. And Roberto, welcome to Commodity Conversations. Well, hello, Robert. And, um, thank you very much for, for the invitation. Really, I'm, I'm very, very glad to be uh, again with you. It's, uh, for me, it's, it's a pleasure to be in contact uh, with uh, the Mercado and, and, and all your, your audience, which I assume is, is very large. Well, and they're yep. widespread, Roberto, and, and they're very interested in, well, a lot of them are very interested in sheep and wool. But the reason I wanted to probably talk to you this week is you and two of your friends have just released a report looking at the uh, volume and diameter of merino wool in the main wool producing countries of the world. And we know roughly what the story is. We'll get to the overall story in a minute, but can you just, can we perhaps just break it down a little bit? Um, what's happening in, let's, let's start with um, South Africa. What's happening with the South African clip and, and how are they going over there with their wool production? Well, South, South Africa is the, uh, is the second uh, producer of Merino after Australia, okay? So it's, it's uh, the contribution of South Africa is, is quite important. And uh, the production in South Africa has remained quite stable, not so much as, you know, what happened in, in, in other countries. And uh, they're close to 44 million uh, uh, kilograms of greasy wool. So that, that, that makes uh, South Africa the second. And uh, they produce it, say the average of the South African clip is, is say within 19 and 20 microns. So it's, it's uh, perhaps uh, of all the countries we review, which are five or six, uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not the country producing uh, finer or the finest wool, but uh, they're quite, quite, quite stable, good quality, and, uh, and uh, they only produce only 20% of the wool is, is, is super fine, say less than 18.5. But uh, it's, it, I, I would say it's, it's, it's quite stable, the, you know, the level of production in South Africa. Is that the same, would you say the same for South America then? What's happening in the South American countries that, are, that have got wool production? Well, the, the, uh, in terms of... Uh, well, basically, the, the, the art, what we, we reviewed in, in, in our uh, document was the, the production of marine wool. But anyway, it, uh, the two main producers are Argentina and, and Uruguay. And uh, there's been a um, reduction, quite a big reduction in, in production of Argentina, mainly not the Patagonian one, because in every country, in every region, you have two, uh, two, two different points of view. One, if the sheep production is an option, 
the second one, if it whopper action is a necessity, you know, like so in, in some areas of, of uh, South America, in particular the Patagonia, which is a, a cold desert, I mean, there's no option to, uh, to ship production. Very small areas run some uh, beef cattle. But for example, in Uruguay or even in South Brazil, I mean, it, it uh, say sheep production is an option. So you have to compete with uh, mainly with uh, with uh, beef cattle production, right? Which is good at the moment. And so the, the, the one who decides if the stock of sheep in one country is larger or smaller is the producer, okay? Reading the market. I mean, we have no subsidies, no, the governments do not interfere in anything in, in, in the decisions of the, the producers, but at the end of the day, the, the, the volume of wool produced in one country and the type of wool is a decision of the producers. That, that, that has to be taken into account. And uh, so in, in, in that part of uh, in South America, the, See the, the medium, the medium type wolves, uh, Corydales and Holworth and other crosses, were very popular, you know, because in some regions it's, it's very, very rainy and uh, it is, it's not a good climate for marina. So the prices of, say, this type of wool, you know, 28, 29, at the moment is a, is a disaster. So some, some uh, producers are, I think they are, Making a big a big uh, volume of wool not being sold, so the stock of this type of wool will increase. And some 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 producers have now now this spring after 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 our our um, shearing, some of them have three three uh, three years of wool, so three clips. So it's it's really bad. I mean, it's building it's building a stockpile. Absolutely, like, like like the one that happened in. This is another subject we. <laughs> yeah. That's another subject for another day. I think that's another research report or a history report that should be written. Um, Roberto, Uruguay made a conscious effort to try and increase their fine wool volumes. How's that all gone? Yes, yeah, that's right. This is one uh, when uh, when I was working for for our wool board. And we have a very close relationship with uh, at the International Wool Secretariat with, uh, with Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. We were the only four countries that uh, were part of IWS. So historically, <clears throat> we had a very close connection with, particularly with Australia. And uh, we made several travels to Australia and contacts and so on. And, and obviously, in talking to our wool industry, all the processors, they say, look, in the world, you know, the, the, the business of, of clothing and the demand for, for garments uh, will go absolutely directly to fine and fine and finer wool. So you have to do something. So we say, okay. And because in, in, in our country, it's a, it's, a, it's a high rainfall. 
in Australian terms, because we have 1,200 millimeters on average through the year. And the, and, and the, the I think the mistake the, the Merino British were, were making here was that they were bringing, say, genetics from areas which were not appropriate for our country. For example, you know, South Australia, yeah. big animals, Collinsville, and so on. But, you know, the difference was nearly 1,000 millimeters. So after one ray, you, you, you look at the, at the fleeces of these animals, it was a disaster, you know? All sort of fungus and, and, and yep. colors and so on. So we said, okay, well, let's try to focus on on bringing animals. And, and, and we made a, a couple of of uh, visits to to mainly the main. At that time, they were fine to meet, uh, medium to fine. They were not super fine, but you know, with the years, all of them went went finer. You know, in in the area of uh, New England, basically. Yeah. Because the, the, the climate was more similar. You know, they were looking at... So we found that the, the fleeces coming from that genetics and from that area, they could stand very well the the, uh, the, the rain, the humidity, and so on. And uh, the, the, this was a, a big possibility. And, uh, and, and, and we decided, okay, and, and, and then we make a connection with the producers and, and also with our local uh, buyers, we made a sort of formula that was say, okay, if the price in Australia is X for this type of wool with these characteristics, what should be the price, the price here? So we had a direct connection with, with Australia, with the price, international price. And uh, this was very, very helpful because Otherwise, that the producer would say, "Okay, I have very fine wool, I have very nice wool, but what about the price?" <clears throat> and then, uh, but I think it was a very good idea, and, and we were able to to increase the uh, the uh, the pro total production of, of merino wool, and in particular, fine wool. Okay, so uh, I think we in this uh, last twenty years we. The, the amount of uh, merino of fine wool is uh, we produce is, was triple that at the starting of, of the uh, of the uh, the program, and we had a <clears throat> we had a very good support of also for, of um, overseas buyers looking at these wools, in particular some of the Italian buyers, although. I had a, I had a, a sort of conflict with this because you know that the, the Italian type is not so large, the, the, the wool is not so long. Yeah. They want short wools, very crimpy. This is what what I learned in Australia that is called the, the Italian type. And and, and the woods we brought all oh, the genetics we brought from uh, New England were longer wools, very wide. And uh, not so not so creamy, you know. And they looked uh, they looked uh, not so fine, but they were fine, really. And uh, and at the end of the day, the results is measured by the, the amount of wool you produce and the price. That's it. So the majority remain in that uh, in that uh, sector. 
and uh, mainly all this wool is bought by the local top makers and, and, and sold, uh, exported to, to Europe, to the main uh, eaters and producers of garments, you know. So, with good results, yeah. So, I was in, uh, I've been in at the Sydney wool sales this week, and I think we might be seeing that some of the Italian buyers are now starting to look at those longer fine wools. So, we'll watch that next year. But one area that talking about wet country and, um, and fine merino wool, we'd have to mention New Zealand. And it's, it's most of its sheep are crossbred, strong crossbred, Romney based sheep, but they do have a pretty solid, um, uh, and and a lovely producing merino clip over there. That's right. Yeah, uh, uh, we included that in the, in in, uh, in our report, and I also visited the main uh, merino producing area in New Zealand, which obviously is is not on the whole country. I mean, the whole country is too wet. They manage, you know, improved pastures and so on, and I mean, it, the performance of the merino in in in, in, in this area was, was not good at all. I mean, food rot and, you know, it's not the climate for, for marinas. But in the South Island, in the high country, where they have this uh, native pasture, you know, the Tassock country and so on, they grow very well. And uh, so I saw very nice uh, properties with merino. It is in very, very fine wool, actually, of all the countries we, we, we reviewed, uh, the average of the New Zealand marinos is, is, is the finest, the average, and very, very good quality. So, uh, well, actually, uh, I don't know what proportion is, but, uh, but, but quite a big proportion is, is sold in, uh, at auction in Australia. So, uh, that's all right. I mean, if you find a proper climate, and you 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 find appropriate uh, say genetics and, and and manage them well. I mean, the results here in Europe have been excellent. No? Point you make is well made, Roberto. That New Zealand has some of the very best fine wool. They just don't have a lot of it. Um, it no, no. But the the growers over there are very passionate about it. Now we can't talk about global wool supply without mentioning in Australia. And just tell us, in your report, what, what percentage of the, um, of the overall clip for the globe is, uh, is, uh, is origin from Australia? Well, in, in our, in our um, uh, document, the total... Uh, let's talk about greasy wool, OK? The total production of these uh, five countries, Australia, South Africa, Argentina, New Zealand, and Uruguay, was 302 million kilograms greasy, okay? And out of this uh, 300, 228, so 70-something percent, correspond to Australia. So Australia is easy. Is the leader in, in, in the production of uh, of merino in general, and uh, it, it, it has always been like this. Even though the uh, the production in Australia had a big big decline in since uh, the problems in with the, with the reserve price scheme, but but anyway, it's is the main producer. 
and I think it's it's the, it's the reference. I mean, in terms of yeah, of market as well. I mean, what if we want to see what what is happening with the with the wool, we'll have to take a, a look at the auctions in Australia. I mean, it's, it's the same story. So you make a reference in your report to that um, the big decline in wool production took place between 1992 and 2009. What were the main drivers of that decline uh, globally, Roberto? Globally, there was a, uh, well, in Australia, well, this, this is this, what I'm going to say affected the, 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 the whole, uh, the whole uh, different countries that were producing wool, but uh, was the uh, the collapse of uh, the reserve price scheme in 1991, I think, and there was a huge stock, which uh, we we calculated in uh, 900 million kilograms, which was a disaster, you know. And I, I was a very good friend of uh, the chairman of uh, Wool International, that. Um, the purpose of that Bull International was to handle the stock and, and gradually sell in order to not, not, not to produce any problem. But it was it was uh, Bob Bridges and a very yeah. good friend. He used to work for for the corporation and then he managed the uh, the Bull International. So, so he was here in Uruguay. I was there look, looking and talking about this. It was a problem, really, really, really problem. He was telling me the amount of money that they had to pay monthly of interest to the banks for the loans that, uh, that the corporation had made to buy to buy the the, the the stock was absolutely incredible. And then obviously this depresses the whole price of wood in the world. I mean, you know that they. The, uh, the price of the wool and the demand is, is very susceptible to what is in, in stock. And then if you have, you know, 900 million kilograms of, of stock, the increase of price is absolutely impossible, you know, for a, a commodity. I mean, it's terrible. So that affected the whole world. We, 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 uh, we analyze the topic of, of merino wools, say fine wools, of say medium and coarse wool, because that's another story. And obviously, say the medium and, and, and coarse wools, they are subproduct of of sheep uh, meat production. So that, that is why, if you look at the figures. The the, the 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 volume of fine wools went down absolutely dramatically, but but the, but the, the other volume of wool that comes from this uh, uh, sheep meat production systems, like well, you have in Australia your your crossbred and so on, or even New Zealand, they're not. The, 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 what, what, what the price of wool or, or the volume of money that you get from wool is just a, it's not it's not the main product of the system. I mean, the main product is, is, is the meat, you know, price of the lamb and so on. 
So I think that that's a different, absolutely a different story. You cannot talk about you cannot talk about wool as one product. Impossible. The same is happening now with the market. I mean, for example, in the conference in Canada, they were saying, "Well, what is happening with the wool market? Look, wool market, excellent for super fine, extra fine, so on. A disaster for for medium and." And, and, and coarse the wool, you know. So it's it's impossible to to look at, at this uh, topic like one product. Yes, yes. Well, we just learnt that the um, the numbers of ewes mated to merinos in Australia for this coming year is forecast to drop below seventy five percent for the first time. So there's uh-huh. going to be a continued amount of crossbred wool coming on, and but that's going to mean that the there's going to be constrained supply. Of merino wool. So I think to, to sum up our, our talk today, and it's been wonderful talking to you again, Roberto, you would have to, I mean, I'm optimistic about the future of merino wool because of that tight supply and the underlying demand. What's your view on, on what's going to happen to this market? I agree with you. I mean, in, in the, if you look at the history and what is happening now, I, I would not be worried because the, the production of fine and superfine wool is low. I mean, it's a, for me, it's an advantage. I mean, if you, and I, I, I looked one day at, at the correlation between the, uh, and with uh, Andrew as well, the, the, the correlation of prices with the, with the supply, and it, it's absolutely negative. You, you increase the supply and then, the price goes down. It's, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be worried about this. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, something that should be seen positively. You know, it's good. No, well, no, 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 no big supply. You know, production stable. Blah blah blah. And then uh, that's a. That'll be good for price. It's correlated to higher prices. Yeah. It'll be good for price. Well, Roberto, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much again for your time. We wish you all the best for um, uh, the Christmas break and the new year, and uh, and we hope to have you back on again next year when you put out your next report. Okay. Uh, Many thanks to you, uh, Robert, to David, and also to Olivia, and uh, I wish you... You know, very the best uh, and, and, and nice holidays and, and and a happy new year. And we will see absolutely like I consider you my friend. So we will uh, talk uh, next year. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And I know Olivia's okay was away today. She was disappointed she couldn't see you, but she passes on her best. No worries. So thank you very much. <laughs> So thank you, listeners. Thank you to all the people who have listened to the podcast. You all know the rules. If you do like it, like us, give us a share. And uh, we're very happy to have our wonderful guests on at Commodity Conversations, but also to you as listeners. So thanks a lot and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, 
improving your communication and decision making, or accounting services and business software solutions. ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more.